Hi, this is David Yaz at the Boston Podcast Network, hoping you are staying safe and healthy during this period of precaution over the coronavirus. It's difficult to connect with your clients and contacts in a period such as this, but here we continue to produce podcasts that allow you to connect with the people that you want to reach. You've got a rapt audience like never before. People are home, they're listening, and they're waiting to hear from you. We can create a professional podcast with a quick turnaround and do the whole thing remotely so you don't have to leave your home. Get in touch with us at pod617.com. From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing city. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, markers, thieves, thank you for joining us here on the Boston Podcast Oh, no quarantine is going to stop the Boston podcast because uh, podcasting is uh, virtual people. It might as well be virtual. We've been doing remote podcasts here at pod617.com ever since we opened. And you can do it, too. So this is my little plug for the day before we get to the show. If you want to start your own podcast, now is the perfect time to do it. There are a lot of people at home, if you hadn't noticed, they're looking for things to listen to. So what a great, great way to reach your clients, your friends, your fans of whatever it is that you do. Go to pod617.com. We have all kinds of deals. We'll send you a microphone out. You can get started right away. And uh, on the line, well, when you're in a crisis, who do you need but someone who can manage that crisis? And I have on the line PR communications crisis management expert, my friend, Janie Bischoff is here. Yes. And see, when you can't be around people, it always warms the heart to have the virtual applause on the show. How are you doing, Janie? I'm doing well. (laughs) Are you sure? Absolutely. Absolutely. Other than... You know, worrying about running out of toilet paper like everyone else. And, uh, you know, the kind of the battles with my husband. Um, my colleague actually suspended his uh, his five-year-old yesterday from homeschool. Oh. And then um, his, yeah, his wife texted me that um, he... Uh, was having she was worried about him because he was having a parent teacher conference with himself so <laughs> so it's challenging for everyone and uh you know we certainly though it's important to recognize the seriousness of the situation and um really you know think about everyone who um is suffering right now um sure. and as we all you know, suffer just the, uh, the, the challenges of being at home with our families. I don't get the, is the homeschooling thing. See, my kids are mostly grown. I have a senior in high school. I quite frankly, couldn't tell you whether he's doing anything in terms of classwork or homework or whatever, but is, I just don't know this. Like if you have a kid who's in the fourth grade or something, are they sending work home or are parents literally like developing their own curriculum? Well, I think <laughs> some parents are trying to de- develop their own um, programs, mess. but I, there are a number of school systems that are really trying to um, send uh, 
work home and also do things remotely. And I know that um, locally, our public television station, WGBH, is actually also going to be um, doing some broadcasts. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, those are really difficult challenges for people with kids. But um, I think that the biggest challenge is um, for uh, business owners and leaders to think about um, doing the right thing right now Mm -hmm. for their companies and their employees. And I think that is a huge challenge that many people are trying to meet well, um, Mm -hmm. trying to manage remote teams, remote employees, uh, and other companies, of course, are dealing with, you know, whether they have to furlough or totally lay off uh, some or all of their employees. So, you know, it's, I think, a really enormous challenge that every single business leader is struggling with right now. Yeah. And, you and know, just to back. Go ahead, Jenny. Yeah, go. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. So I was going to say, just to back up a little bit, um, you know, I've taught crisis management, corporate crisis management um, at the university level for um, college and graduate students. And there are some things that go along with um, developing crisis plans that many businesses, unfortunately, don't do. Um, But the the things that we need to think about are prevention, planning, and response. And of course, as a country right now, we're in the response phase and every business owner and leader is, is, has been forced into that response phase by the uh, situation. But I work with companies on preparation, both planning, prevention, um, you know, which is risk management, but really comprehensive risk management, um, and then crisis response. So I think what businesses are struggling with right now is responding to something that unfortunately they didn't see coming because they didn't go through the planning exercise. So, and unfortunately, our comp- our country also <laughs> is struggling with that because the country, the government, did not sufficiently plan. You think? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tell tell me, you know, if you're if you're a company now, you're you're making tough decisions, and say you're a company that you know it re- requires people to be there, and also that your business is going to suffer during this period. It's it's you know inevitable for so many businesses. I, I'm just <clears throat> really concerned. Well, concerned. I mean, I sympathize with all the restaurant owners, for example, you know, some hotel owners and stuff that um, I just don't know how they can go without income for, you know, a number of months when a company has to make the decision and some have done it already to lay off employees or uh, immediately, you know, cut back furlough people, whatever it is. What, what are some of the kind of things you advise a company like that to do in, in terms of approach without sounding cold-hearted? Well, I think the first thing for everyone, whether you are laying people off or whether you are trying to manage uh, 
a large company remotely um, is to be very empathetic. Um, you know, people look, we look to our leaders um, and whether that's the leader uh, in government or a leader in your group in your company um, or the head of the company, we look to those leaders for some assurance. And so I think, you know, understanding that everyone is really frightened, really uh, challenged with whatever their own personal situation is at home, even if they're trying to work remotely and educate their kids um, or keep their kids somewhat entertained so that they can do some work remotely Mm. or um, people who are sitting and wondering whether they're going to have a job to go back to. So in crisis management, the first thing that we say people have to do is acknowledge the situation. Mm. And I've been advising a number of companies over the last several weeks to the fact that Um, You have to do that almost every day. You have to acknowledge what people are feeling and you have to acknowledge how difficult the situation is before you can even really effectively communicate anything else. Um, And I think for companies that are in the tough situation of having to furlough or lay off workers, um, their, their work in some, their entire workforce, I think providing information is really critical right now. So as we're talking, this new stimulus uh, plan um, is coming out of Washington and hopefully it will provide some relief and hopefully it will provide uh, a situation where companies that keep their employees on um, will receive compensation for that from the government. And that will be, you know, a huge relief to both employers and employees. And I think that it's important to really share in a very honest way um, what you know, what you don't know, um, and, you know, don't hedge and really be honest um, about the answers that you have and the answers that you don't have. But I think even just sharing information, any information that you have um, does help people and, and can be somewhat reassuring. How have you think the leaders here have done? So Governor Baker, um, I, I, I'm not sure if he's just following suit of other governors around the country, but I think um, most people thought that him, he issuing the stay at home order was prudent. And most people are saying, hey, better safe than sorry. But there's a, there's a vocal minority that says you're really crushing businesses. Do you, uh, have you followed this? And do you think he's acquitting himself well? Um, I have followed all of it mm-hmm. uh, really closely. I think that the, not only Governor Baker, but the governors and leaders around the country who are listening to the healthcare experts are doing the best job. Um, and, you know, I think uh, um, Governor Cuomo in New York has 
done a phenomenal job of communicating appropriately. Um, I think that what people want is they want honesty, they want information, and they want the sense, to feel the sense that um, their leaders are in charge. And I think uh, Governor Cuomo in particular has done a terrific job of that. Um, and of course, New York is the epicenter right now, um, mm. and sadly uh, will continue to be, it appears, um, in terms of the fast growth of cases, number of cases. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think that people expect uh, a magic um, bullet, mm-hmm. but I think that from from their leaders, but I think what they expect is honesty and factual information and consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are values that um, are important in every company and particularly important in a crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, transparency. We now, as a society, demand a huge amount of transparency um, from from companies to the extent that uh, that we didn't be- ever before. I mean, think about the Me Too movement and all the things that have happened um, in terms of uh, media coverage of bad behavior in companies and behavior that we now, uh, as a society, I think accept as totally unacceptable, Mm. um, that were never covered before. So, you know, as a society, we've really changed a lot in terms of the transparency and the expectations around behavior from companies and from the leaders and the people in those companies. And so that's critical for any leader, um, whether, you know, you have five employees or you know, you're leading a state or the country, or, you know, it's really, really important. Mm. Well, the, I try not to pick on the president too much on this podcast, but he makes it really difficult to refrain from doing so. In the recent press conference where a reporter, this is a few days back as we're recording this, but a reporter asked him, what do you say to people who are scared? And he said it (laughs) in classic Trump fashion. I think that's a terrible question. You're a terrible reporter and stop saying that. (laughs) So what, what, tell me, tell me what, what sort of precepts of good communication and crisis management did he, presuming he did, did he violate in that moment? Well, all of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> no surprise. And and it's really been on a daily basis. Um, it's a great lesson for people on what not to do. Um, <laughs> so you know, you very often um, you need in a crisis to respond very very quickly and you don't have the inf- all of the information that's really typical of what happens in a crisis information becomes kind of the you know the the gold standard um mm-hmm. in a crisis in terms of what happened how did we get here once you are to the point where you've gotten through the crisis and you want to analyze what happened but most of the time you need to communicate long before 
you have all of that information. And it, it's acceptable to say that you don't have the answers, but you have to move quickly without the information. And then as you get information, you really need to um, ensure the consistency in messaging um, all the way down the line so that everyone is saying the same thing once you um, have some information that you're trying to communicate. So in the case of this administration, we've had uh, the opposite where you've got the president saying one thing and the health officials, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who's well, well respected, saying an entirely different thing. Um, so, you know, that's really a problem because that's where people don't gain the insurance assurance that they're looking for from leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, and just going back, telescoping back to a smaller organization mm-hmm. right now for leaders, um, gathering information is a little bit about taking the temperature of your employees. You know, mm-hmm. you can't see them. You, you can't, um, it may be hard, although with zoom, you can, gather them all um, mm-hmm. on a Zoom call, but um, you really want to listen as much as you do um, in order, as you do speak, in, in order to understand what your employees are feeling, what they're thinking, um, and again, that that's where that empathy comes in, and because of social isolation, isolation, mm-hmm. adding another layer to all of this. Um, that's really important for, for leaders to think about right now. Um, and again, communicating help and even being in touch with, you know, some of the people that you've had to lay off or all of the people that you've had to lay off. If you're a small business, um, that outreach and that touch is really important right now because of the social isolation challenge that, um, that everyone is feeling. So I guess I'm having problems saying it. No, no, you said it. You've said it very well. Are companies that get it right. So that you said, are they, they're proactively having, you know, I mean, a lot, a fair amount of business can be done by zoom, but a lot of it can't. Um, you think companies should err on the right. side of, you know, if they normally would be, is it really as simple as if you normally would be meeting in person at the office, you should be getting people on those Zoom calls? Absolutely. Yeah. We encouraged one of our clients to have an all-firm Zoom meeting. Um, and uh, we are also encouraging them to encourage all of their employees to reach out through all means of communication and really picking up the phone and talking to their colleagues and coworkers and not, not allowing themselves to feel so isolated. And that's a great message that a leader can deliver to just encourage people to reach out to one another. Um, we're also uh, talking to people about doing some virtual uh, coffees and networking types of meetings with other people and to our clients, um, to some of, 
um, one of our clients is, is a law firm. And to the attorneys, we're suggesting that if there are clients that they haven't spoken with, um, you know, just reach out to them and touch them, so to speak, and see how they're doing. And, you know, email is a great way, great method of communication, but uh, a voice hearing people's voice, I think is really, really important at this time. Again, it gets back to that assuring people and to helping to um, negate the feeling of social isolation, especially for, you know, people who um, may be living alone. Mm -hmm. That's why podcasts are so important, right, Janie? The spoken word, you know. Absolutely, (laughs) David. Well, I, you know, I half joke because I'm biased running a podcast company here, pod617.com. Go there if you want your own podcast. But, um, you know, it's, it, it is a, we think our time in the podcasting world because, you know, um, getting on a phone call is, is great. Getting on a zoom call works too. Um, to invite somebody on your pod, as I did with you, just to, to have a discussion, it's, uh, it's meaningful and it's a more, for lack of a better word, intimate kind of, of conversation than like you say, an email or, you know, or a mass conference call, nothing against all those mass conference calls. We know we need them, but, um, you know, you can, you can reach people and they can kind of feel like they're with you, part of the conversation, part of that relationship. You mentioned networking. I, the other day, was it yesterday? The days are just running into one another. <laughs> Do you even know what today is? Yes. It's, this is a quiz. No. <laughs> Ready? What, what day is today? Go ahead, I Jay. think it's Wednesday. That's right. Congratulations. You've won a set of steak knives. I three three or four times yesterday. Three or four times yesterday, I forgot what the day was and had to like look at my my uh, phone. Um, you know, Fridays have been basically canceled. There are no more Fridays. There are no more Mondays. There are no more anything. Everything is just kind of a Wednesday now. Like the, <laughs> this past Friday, it was Friday afternoon. And I don't know about you, you know, like, like I think any American when it's like, you know, three o'clock on a Friday afternoon, you look up at the clock and you say, you kind of get a nice feeling. Oh, it's almost the weekend. And I got that nice feeling. And then I said, well, what does it matter? We're doing the same thing every day. <laughs> you know, we're in the same place. Right. Yeah. Right. But, um, yeah, is it um, just from a networking standpoint, you, you and I have known each other through networking circles for years and gone to networking meetings. Networking is so important for so many professionals, and now it's, it's much different. So you're saying get creative, do the virtual cocktail hours, you know, if need be or anything like that? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. You know, and I think it's an opportunity to maybe deepen some relationships with um, clients or people that you've met and you want to get to know better. You know, understanding what they're going through and their personal challenges, I think, is a terrific way of really, you know, communicating in a more meaningful way with Mm -hmm. someone. And I think that it's, it may be awkward for some people to think about it in that way, but, you know, I think we have to adjust because mm-hmm. the reality is I don't see this changing really um, soon. And I think, I think that the way we have done business 
as a society is going to be changed as a result of this. Really? And many of those changes are going to be incredibly challenging and we have to be creative and thoughtful about new ways to do things. And certainly um, over, you know, the coming weeks and the coming months and anything we can do to make ourselves you know, feel better and to reach out and make other people feel better, I think it's really important. Yeah. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, getting, getting back to crisis, Mm -hmm. getting back to crisis management, you know, that's, um, you know, that is what you're trying to do in a crisis. You know, you, you need to gain control of the situation. Um, but that reassurance, is really, really important. And, you know, that's what you're trying to achieve um, when you're responding in a crisis. Yeah. You know, I think creativity is critical at a, a time like this. Um, my brother, Adam, is a musician and a, and a school teacher in San Francisco. And I don't know if he's doing this for any particular purpose other than to lift a few spirits and, and keep his own spirits up. But he takes out the guitar and he does just mini songs. He picks a song he really likes. And then he, you know, he posts it on Facebook and he's pretty good. He's much, much better than much better voice than I do. Um, but, but anyway, um, you can do this to keep in touch with people. You can do, I mean, I, you know, I encourage people, they want to reach you. Obviously I preach podcasts because you can, you know, even though you might not be directly communicating with a person, you can let them know what's going on from your end of the world. You can be creative about it. You know, you can maybe if you're a lawyer, you want to take the opportunity to launch a podcast on the subject of reviewing your favorite wines and spirits just because, you know, and and so your clients will listen to that if they know and like you. They don't need to hear legal advice from you every day, you know, um, and things like that. Uh, so, What's what? But you said, Janie, that you think it's it's going to be a different way of business. Did you mean going forward, like after this whole thing is over? Although I still don't understand who gets to declare when it's over. But <laughs> but uh, do you mean it's going to change things? Like next year, looking back, we'll say, well, we do things a little differently now. Well, first of all, um, given that we're not going to have a vaccine right. for probably until at least twenty twenty one, I think things. Ha- will be changed certainly for the rest of this year, whether we'll be able to be at, um, you know, whether we'll be able to go out more and meet people more. I don't know. I'm, I'm doubtful. Mm. I've really, uh, read a lot of the, um, the research that's being done and has been done. Um, I don't advise it. It's pretty frightening. Uh, and, so I think, you know, I think the reality is that we're going to be in this um, general situation for, for a long time to come. Mm. And so I do think that, that leaders really need to think about all the different ways um, that they can effectively communicate with their um, companies, with their employees, um, and you know, obviously morale is an issue now and will probably continue to be if the situation has to continue like this. Mm. Um, You know, it's social isolation really has an impact on people, um, you know, mentally. And so 
I think there's a lot of responsibility on leaders to acknowledge that. Again, this acknowledgement is so important um, and repeating it over and over, you know, today, tomorrow, the next day, the next week. Um, that's a key in um, being an effective crisis manager is acknowledging the situation. And that goes down to the details of the situation that the people working for you are in. We can all kind of take a breath and think about that and think about uh, the ways that we can help, you know, our families, our friends, our co-workers, and uh, for those who are leading, uh, the people who work for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, we're up against the clock a little bit here, Janie. Um, but when we come back, this is a preview for you, Janie, since I didn't prep you on this, but we're going to do an edition of good stuff. So after the break, I'm going to ask you what you're watching on TV. And if you tell me you're not watching TV, then you're just not human. Everybody has to do it now. It's our right as an American citizen or anything to recommend. You can recommend a book too, I guess. Jeez, I guess you can still read books at home. Sure. Um, that's coming up after in just a moment after I tell you about the Boston Podcast Network. We produce podcasts, pod617.com, and now is the perfect time to reach your audience, whether you're a lawyer, financial advisor, really any kind of professional. A podcast is a means of communication like none other. People that are at home, they're sitting there, they're binging things. This is a perfect time for you to launch your podcast. We can do it. We'll send you a USB microphone that you will have in a matter of days. We'll talk to you remotely, launch your podcast, help you conceptualize it, intro music, outro music, the whole deal. Be part of the pod revolution, people. Visit pod617.com. In pod, we trust. And now, as promised, here's an edition of Good Stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. Well, we need something to keep us sane, right? And it's getting to the point where on social media, people are saying, I'm out of all TV shows and movies. I need new recommendations and I'm desperate. So uh, I feel for you people. Um, but uh, in this edition of Good Stuff, we'll give you maybe some recommendations on how to pass the time. Janie, provided that um, in the you know, 39 seconds I gave you to prepare for this, do you have what do you want me to go first or would you like to go first? No, I'll, I'm happy to. All right. Talk about girl. It. So we're <laughs> we are big fans of Better Call Saul. Oh, um, so love it. Go ahead. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And we just started watching The Plot Against America, which is an HBO miniseries. Uh, based on a Philip Roth um, novel. Mm -hmm. and really interesting, really, really interesting in these times because uh, to think that Philip Roth wrote it, I think, in 2004. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it, it's evocative of what's happening now, uh, but against the backdrop of World War II. Um, and then um, I have... So we just started watching shit, uh, Shit's Creek. Creek. Yeah. You're allowed to say it on a podcast. It's, okay. it's technically not a swear. It's the family's <laughs> name. It's spelled differently. Yeah. Do you like, do you like, well, right, exactly. so that's, so that was, you, you came armed, Janie. I, um, um, I, I need to go back to one of your, the first thing you said is uh better call Saul. 
is one of my favorite shows, having been a avid Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad fan. And um, we're getting towards the end of season. What season are we in? Five, six? I don't know. Um, I think at least. Yeah. yeah. And um, <clears throat> there, there's one more season after this, as I as I understand it. What have what has been? Uh, your reaction to the show so far. So, you know, the, the character played by Bob Odenkirk is, was, you know, a lawyer named Jimmy McGill, who was just kind of a scrappy lawyer. Now he's turning into this character that we later know as the kind of sleazeball Saul Goodman. Um, yeah. Tell me what you think of it. Why do you, why do you, why do you like it? Uh, well, my husband's an attorney, so, mm -hmm. but my oh. husband and my son were huge, huge fans of Breaking Bad. And I, it was, kind of violent for me, but I love, um, the, the main characters. Um, mm -hmm. they're so fun. It's really, really interesting. And, um, you know, it's, it's very stimulating in the sense that you have these different little stories going on. Um, and you know, they're all going to come together, yep. but you're not sure how. Right. Um, so, you know, that's really fun. Yeah, there are in Better Call, Better Call Saul, you know, it's a prequel for those that don't know. It takes place before the events of Breaking Bad, although the the genius writer Vince Gilligan has said that this show might continue on a timeline that will eventually catch up to and maybe even parallel the events in Breaking Bad, which just gives me a headache thinking about it. But some of the characters that we <laughs> some of the characters that we see more than one, in fact, we know are dead in 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 the timeline, you know, because we've seen them die in Breaking Bad. But it's fun to see them. And it's it's but the, here's my thing. I don't know if you do what I do. I look at the characters that have been newly introduced on Better Call Saul. And I say, somebody's probably going to die because, <laughs> because we know we don't see them in Breaking Bad. So therefore, in theory, they didn't survive that timeline. It's, it's, um, but I take it you, you weren't as, as crazy a fan of Breaking Bad. So maybe you don't have such worries. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll tell you though, two other shows oh, that go, I go for absolutely it. Yeah. love. We're, we're waiting. We're waiting for the next season. Um, mm -hmm. Succession and Billions. Oh, um, I, you got me on, you you got me on one. either one. Yeah, you got but, me on one of one of two. I tried Billions. I don't know why it didn't take. I love what's his name, Giamatti. Um, Paul Giamatti is wonderful. Um, but uh, yeah. Succession is a terrific show, and it's 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 a little kind of dense to get into in the beginning and learn all the characters, but especially in the second season. And, and that is a sort of fictionalized version of Rupert Murdoch's family, right? Who's your favorite on Succession, if you have one? Well, I'm fascinated by the daughter, Siobhan, I think oh, is yeah. her name. Um, She's great. You know, the role that she plays and um, the, the difficulty that she's having navigating between her father and her brother and her husband right so you know it's yeah it's just one of I, these i think it's really you know evocative of what what many women you know struggle with in the work world um too so i you know i think it's really contemporary uh with our society and and everything that's happening with media and family and yeah <laughs> although 
most families are not like them. <laughs> well, let's hope. Let's hope not. Yeah, it's it's your classic dysfunctional family. None of them are are perfect or blameless in all this. There's there's drugs. There's backstabbing. I think the guy that steals the show is the character played by Kieran Culkin, Macaulay Culkin's uh, little brother. I forget the character's yeah. name, but he's he's alternatively yeah. he's he's compelling, and then also you know, not too many redeeming qualities at the end of the day, but for some reason there's something endearing about him. Um, so I'll throw one out, Janie, for you. Have you seen this thing on Netflix, Tiger King? No. Okay. So uh-huh. I'll, I'll, I'm going to play What's a little, it it's a documentary. I'm going to play a little bit of the trailer and then I'll explain if the trailer isn't uh, self-explanatory, but here we go. The trailer for Tiger King on Netflix. Captive tigers in the U.S. than there are in the wild throughout the world. Animal people are nuts, man. They're all crazy. I'm sure y'all got a story to tell. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Joe Exotic, and this is Sarge. He was like a mythical character living out in the middle of bumfuck Oklahoma who owned 1,200 tigers and lions and bears and shit. Come here, love me. <laughs> Matt Spokin, good looking, love to party and have fun. I don't think we're done blowing shit up today. I don't figure you are. <laughs> so, that, so that's enough uh, of the trailer, but it is a portrait, a chronicle of this big cat lover zookeeper that who calls himself Joe Exotic, and it's a, a seven-part series on Netflix. All true, all all documentary. You know, this, all the stuff obviously really happened. the The filmmakers got unbelievable access to all the players in this. He's got a rival zookeeper, and the two of them are just kind of trying to put each other out of business, each claiming that the other is cruel to animals. But it turns out this guy Joe is just kind of nuts. He's um, he fancies himself like a little bit of a sex symbol, happens to be gay. Um, he apparently like lures young men onto the, the the zoo property to work for him and then gets involved with them romantically. Um, all kinds of things with, you know, people having encounters with actual tigers and lions on the, the premises, sometimes with uh, terrible, gruesome results. And it's all true. It's amazing. So, Janie, this, that's your assignment. Tiger King on Netflix, and then we'll discuss afterwards. Deal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Janie, we uh, we do have to run. I hope you had fun today. I know it was. Um, it's hard to have fun in the given the crisis that we're in, but I'm glad I had you on to share your wor- words of wisdom. I, I I certainly learned a few things. Um, where can people get in touch with you, Janie? The best place is to go to LinkedIn. All my contact information is right on LinkedIn. And um, I'm happy to answer any questions or talk to people and, um, you know, give them any advice I can right now mm-hmm. um, in this situation or, or later. There you go. Look her up, kids. It's Janie Bischoff, uh, Bishop communications. I don't know if we should, uh, people got to know how to spell your name. They should. I mean, it's not that hard. J-A-N-E-Y-B-I-S-H-O-F-F. Did I get it right? You got it. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Janie. You're a good sport. And thanks for reaching me remotely on the Boston podcast. Go to pod617.com if you want your own podcast or for the full library of shows. We appreciate it. If you share this podcast or give us a like or review on Apple Podcasts, find this podcast anywhere you find your podcast, Spotify, all the way down the line. 
My name is Dave, and on behalf of my friend Janie and all you out there sitting on your couch trying to make it through the day, hang in there, kids. My name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston, but if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Enjoy it, people. Relax. Don't worry. We're going to be okay. You must be the other guy.